an awesome God and y'all, he is so worthy to be praised. When we wake up in the morning, we ought to be praising God. As we go throughout our day, we ought to be praising God. And before we go to bed at night, we ought to be praising God. And that's something that we need to teach our children that they need to be doing. I'm reminded, Pastor, don't start my clock just yet. I'm reminded of our little one, McCoy. Every morning, like clockwork, he gets up and he says his prayers. He says, Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that my mind is strong, my body is strong. I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, today will be a good day in Jesus' name. But y'all, I get a call from the teacher almost every day. Almost every day. But he's speaking it, which is what matters the most. And that thing is going to resonate down in his spirit, man. And he's going to get to the point where today will be a good day in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The assignment that I was given is Mark 3. And before I get started, let me just thank our pastor for this opportunity that he's not only afforded to me, but to so many others, to everybody in EGCC, to Pastor Kim, who is always the encourager right alongside him, to the rib that I share, my husband, who has been there to lift me when I couldn't do anything for myself. To my mom and my sister who are here, to my cousin Rashawn who's here, to my EGCC family, I thank y'all and I love y'all. Amen. My assignment comes from Mark 3. But there's a lot going on in Mark 3 and I don't have time to exegete Mark 3 for you. So I'm just going to go over what God gave me to give to you. But before I do that, let's go to him in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for this time, oh God, to speak to your people, oh God. Lord God, I sincerely pray that you would decrease me, Lord God, and that your word, Lord God, would resonate and would penetrate, Lord God, to your people, oh God, not only to hear, but to do, Lord God, what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. In Mark 3, there's a lot going on. Jesus is being accused of healing on the Sabbath, not only by some accusers, but by some of his own family, y'all. He's been accused of, of healing. Some even said that he must be out of his mind. The key verses that I want to focus on tonight in Mark 3, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version, is verses 3 through 5. Mark 3, verses 3 through 5. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. I want to use for a subject tonight, what are you saying? When you say and do what the word says, it leads us to total victory in every area of our lives. The word will give us the instructions, but we have to obey 
what the word says. My first point, we receive blessings when the Lord speaks. If we can look at verse 5 again in Mark, he says, when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man. So the Lord said something to him. He told him to stretch out his hand. The man didn't ask him, can you save me or can you heal me? The Lord said to him, stretch out his hand. So in his obedience, he stretched out his hand and he was healed. The man followed Jesus's instructions. In Jesus 1 and 1, in Genesis, excuse me, 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know how he did it now, y'all. Come on. He said something. In verse 3, if you can just follow me through the first chapter of Genesis, he said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. In verse 6, he said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. The next few verses explains how now we have the land and the sea. In verse 22, after he had made great sea creatures and every living thing that moved in the sea, he said, be fruitful and multiply. So now we have all these creatures in the sea because the Lord said. In verse 24, he said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. And y'all know it was so. In verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. He created man and woman, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, my question to you, my EGCC family, is what instructions has the Lord given to you and you're still waiting to move? We can't begin to birth forth anything if you haven't taken that step to do what God has told you to do. In Malachi 3 and 10, in the Christian Standard Bible, it says, bring the full tenth into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And listen at what he said. He says, test me, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. See, he said something there. He said, test me. Test me and see, won't I do this for you? But yet and still, with every dollar that we get, are you giving 10 cents of that to every dollar? Out of every thousand dollars do we get, are you giving that hundred dollars to the Lord? See, we can't even test him because we're not even doing what he told us to do. But yet and still we're wondering why we have lack, why the devourer is there, because we're not doing what the word told us to do. In John 14 and 16, according to the Message Bible, Jesus says, if you love me, Show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend 
so that you will have always someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. So that's that alongside paraclete, that alongside helper that we can have a two-way communication with. So that when we don't know what to do, all we have to do is say, Lord, I need you. Lord, send me a word right now in due season, Lord God, for my situation that I'm going through. See, that thing can be overcome if you do what he says. Jesus was talking in this verse about us keeping his commandments. Here again, he's saying, just test me. Try me for yourself and see. I know that I have a praying mother. She's prayed for me when I couldn't pray for myself. But I can't live off of my mother's prayers. I had some praying grandmothers who prayed for me, kept me on their minds. But I had to know this thing for myself. So I dare you to just test him. Test the word of God to know that what he says is true. The Holy Spirit has to come along because even though we know the word, sometimes we still get a little anxious. Sometimes we're in a state of uncertainty. But when we know that two-way communication exists, we don't have anything to worry about. In 2 Kings 2 and 4, a widow woman cried out to the prophet Elisha. Remember now, the Lord will speak. Elisha was a prophet who revered God. And he had gone to this woman and told her, asked her rather, what do you have? Because she was saying that the creditors were after her. I can just imagine Scam likely was showing up on, on her phone all day long. The creditors were after her. But she needed a word. She needed a word. So Elisha asked her, what do you have in your house? Just in passing, probably not thinking much of it, she said, you know what? I have a small jar of olive oil. So Elisha told her, I want you to go around to your neighbors. Don't just stop to the first three houses that you see. I want you to canvas the neighborhood. I want you to go into the territories that you normally wouldn't go in. And I want you to get as many jars as you can. And when you come back, I have an assignment for you. So her and her sons, they did just that. They went out and they got all the jars that they were able to find. And when they came in, they closed the door. And the word was for them to pour out the oil into the jars. Now, mind you, she poured oil as long as she had jars. So it didn't tell us that she ran out of oil. She ran out of jars. So she did exactly what the prophet told her to do. When the prophet told her to sell everything and pay these creditors, and then you and your son will live off the rest, guess what happened, y'all? She did just that, and her and her sons lived off the rest because of what God said. 
Also in the same chapter, Elisha told the Shunammite woman that she would be pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. But y'all, check this out. Her son died. Can you imagine her going and saying, well, you told me I was going to have this child that I didn't even ask you for. And then my son died. How dare you? How dare you give me something and take it away? But we all know that's not how the Lord operates. But Elisha had to receive some instruction. And Elijah did exactly what was instructed of him. And her son lived because of what the word said. My second point tonight is we receive blessings from the Lord when we speak what the word says. Mark 3 and 35 says, Jesus says, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. When we obey, honor, and speak what the word says, he honors his word. So he was letting us know if you keep my commandments, if you do what I say, you just like my mama. You're my brother, you're my sister, and I love you because you, you're my family. You're, you're, what, you're who is doing what I ask you to do. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, Now we have this confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him so think about that when you get into the word and you know the word I know that he says I am healed so guess what I speak that and guess what I am Luke 19 and 40, and the NIB says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Amen. Now, I don't want to take this scripture out of context, but allow me, if you will, to use this. Imagine you're in a do or die situation. You're in the middle of what feels like a desert. No one can hear you for hundreds of miles away. No cell phone, no iPad, no tablet, nothing but the word of God in you. You're surrounded by big boulders, some very, very large, some small, some even tiny. They know how they got there because, see, they're remembering back in Genesis when the Lord spoke the land and the sea into existence. So they've heard him speak so much into existence, and they have seen him do so much. These rocks know that all you have to do is speak a thing. Yet, in your uncertainty, sometimes even in your stubbornness, you won't say a word to save your life. Can you imagine the anxiety building up in these rocks? They can't physically speak, but can you imagine them reminding you? You are the righteousness of God. You reign as a king in life. 
You are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Start using the word in your life and allow the word to speak for you. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, if I could just touch, she said something, y'all. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'll be made whole. She said it, she did it, and it was so. Lastly, not only do we receive blessings when the Lord speaks, not only do we receive blessings when we speak, the word won't manifest until we speak it. John 19 and 30 says, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus knew that he had to fulfill the scriptures. Can you imagine the pain, the anguish that he felt? Throughout his extreme torture, he kept saying mighty words. He told the father to forgive them, the accusers, and those who beat him to a point that he was unrecognizable. He told the thief, thou shalt be with me in paradise. He told Mary, woman, behold thy son. See, he knew that everything that he went through, his mother was feeling that anguish of her only begotten son on the cross. So John was there right beside her. He said to the father, why have you forsaken me? Then he said, I thirst. Now, some scholars would have you to think that there's a concoction that they had that they would squeeze into his mouth to where it would help ease the pain. Now, this man had been whipped all across his back, a crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hand, nails in his feet. What pain were they trying to ease for him? But nonetheless, he said, it is finished. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. See, the word had to speak the word in order for us to be here right now. The word had to speak this thing into existence. He had to remind us, you know what? I made an exchange for you when I hung on that old rugged cross. See, I bore your sicknesses and disease on the cross. I bore your poverty on the cross. I bore your lack on the cross. When he said it is finished, the word had to speak the word. What are you saying? I'm reminded as I close. On June 30th, I remember being in St. Augustine in a conference, in a training for my job. And I put a small piece of luggage into the trunk. And I went and sat back down so we could finish our session. And I told my coworker, something feels funny in my back. And I knew we had to be there for the whole day and then I had to travel back from St. Augustine. So I took the grace and I took a pain pill to help me get through the day. We traveled, I came back. That next morning I woke up in excruciating pain. I said, Gershom, I don't know what to do. 
he laid hands on me. McCoy awakened because of my cries. And he said, Daddy, what's wrong with Mommy? And he began to lay hands on me and to speak the word that we've spoken into him through our man of God and what we read for ourselves. That next Sunday, we had a Part B service in church for those of you who remember. And I ran around this church. I shouted and I danced. That rest of that Sunday and that Monday, I was feeling good. That Tuesday, that pain hit me again. And for the next almost two months, I walked around in agonizing pain. I couldn't sit long. I couldn't stand. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. I was going to the chiropractor to get treatment, but I refused to be bound to the pills. And I knew that there was a word in me, but I just had to get it up out of me through all of the pain. I went and had an MRI done and I met with the surgeon. And I said, you know what, whatever they have to do, go ahead and do it because I can't take the pain anymore. I text pastor, I said, pastor, am I not in faith if I opt for the surgery? He responded back and he told me no, because either you're gonna believe you're healing on this side or you're gonna go ahead and have the surgery done and believe you're healing that way. Either way it go, you're okay. I said, okay, that, that's all I needed. Exactly, because I needed the faith for that. So when I met with the surgeon, he was looking baffled. So he went to school for this, I didn't, so I had no clue what to do. <laughs> he told me from my L2 through my L5, my discs were all out of whack. He wondered how I was able to even move around to do the things that I was doing. But I knew that there was such a restriction on what I could do, which wasn't what the Lord told me. I had a phone call that came in because he said I needed to have a discogram gun done. I'm like, okay, Lord, what is a discogram? I have no idea what that is. So after I got in the car and the tears began to roll because I said, Lord, I'm in the same pain that I came in here with. You got to do something for me. A few days later, I received a call. And the voice on the other end said, Nat. I said, well, this is somebody that really know me because, see, Nat is my nickname. That's my family name. That's the old me, Nat. When she said Nat, I was like, yes. And it was a family member from the hospital that I had to go and get the discogram done. She said, I just want to tell you that my doctor is against you getting the discogram done because the procedure is an invasive procedure, and it really, really hurts. They have to numb your back. They only sedate you a little because you have to be able to talk to the doctor. They'll stick the needle in close to your spine and inject the dye. And wherever the dye goes, you're supposed to be able to verbally tell the doctor, oh, that's what really, really hurts. Really. I could hear the doctor conversing with her in the back. And he told her to ask me, what are you believing? Y'all, to this day, I don't know this man's name. He asked, what is she believing? Y'all, I hopped up off that sofa. I said, Lord, I'm believing your word because you said I am healed. So because you said it, I'm testing you, Lord. I need you. I am healed.
They didn't have to cut me. They didn't have to do a discogram. I stood on the word of God because he said, what are you saying? I'm saying that I'm healed. I'm saying I'm the righteousness of God. I got to be able to see McCoy grow up. I got to be able to see my own womb produce and grow. That's what I'm believing God for. So I'm asking you tonight, what are you saying? Come on, give God a big one. Give God a big praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. That's wonderful, 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 wonderful. Ask your neighbor, what are you saying? You got to get your mouth straight. Get your mouth lined up with the word of God. Hallelujah. Say whatever God's word says. Hallelujah. God is good. He is a healer. And, you know, when she read that story in Mark 3, that man who had the withered hand, Jesus told him to stretch forth your hand. He had a withered hand. He couldn't. You understand? But... See, when she was hitting it, and I don't know if y'all caught it, when she dealt with Genesis, see, whenever God said, let there be, or he said, like, bless, his words made it possible for that thing to be what he said. So when Jesus told the man, stretch forth your hand, even though he had no natural ability to stretch his hand, Jesus' words made it possible for him to stretch forth his hand. He didn't know that. Y'all missed that. He didn't know that. So whenever God gives you an instruction, it may be, he, he, he said rise up and walk. He tell people who couldn't walk, rise up and walk. They can't walk. But the moment he said it, it's releasing an empowerment for them to do it. And so that's what happens for us. Whenever God says something to us, he's releasing. If he tells you, uh, Lay hands, if he tells you to rise up and walk, he tells you to be healed, if he tells you to start a business, he's releasing to you the empowerment to do it. Amen? So praise God. Give Richard another big hand tonight. While you're clapping, I want you to welcome a person, a young, young man who's just quiet. Just quiet. You wouldn't even know he's here. He's quiet, but he's got a strong uh, James Earl Jones kind of voice. Uh, welcome King James, Mr. James Akintande, as he comes and shares the word the Lord has given him. God bless you, sir. I'm going to hold those keys for you because you're going to be all over the world. Amen, amen. Uh, I was... Whew. Uh. <laughs> that was a mighty word by Sister Peshera. Um, we won't be here long. I have a simple word, simple message. Um, we will start at Mark 8. I mean, sorry, not Mark 8, Mark 12. <laughs> Mark 12, uh, verses 28 through 34. When you have it, say amen. Amen. All right, let's read together. Ready, read. Oh, I'm sorry. NLT. NLT. 
That's important. All right. When you have, when, let's read it together. Ready, read. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So the simple title of my simple message is Love God, Love Others. My question to you tonight is this. If I were to ask you whether you love God, most of the people in this audience would say yes. And they will point to many things. Um, the fact that we're here on a Wednesday, <laughs> where we could be doing literally anything else. Um, time spent in prayer. Um, the exuberance of our worship. But how does God judge whether he's important to us? By what metric, by what metric does God use to judge whether we really love him? If you would do me a favor and turn to John 14, verse 15, and then we're going to jump down to verse 21, where it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Down to 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So it's pretty simple. If you love God, do what he says. Now, because he has given us this exhortation to do as he commands, there must be a subset of people that... <laughs> there must be a subset of people who say they love God, but really don't. <laughs> Now, what does God think of those people? If you do me a favor, turn to 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But... Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So it's really simple, people. Like I said, if you love God, do what he says. 
this is, an interest, this is a great segue to my second point, which is that we are commanded to love others by God. If we look back at Mark 12, verse 30, ver 31 rather, the second commandment that he's, that he's um, talking about is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now, this isn't the only place in the Bible where this is found. John 15, 12 through 14 says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Down to verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Now, we can simply look at the commandment and go ahead and do it because that's what he told us to do. But that's not the kind of God we serve. If we have questions, he's careful and just to give us answers. So why is loving our neighbors so important? Well, for starters, loving others is a connection to God. In 1 John 4, verses 7 through 8, it states, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you needed another reason, <laughs> love for others fulfills the law. Romans 13, 8 through 10 states, owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. <laughs> so hopefully by now I've established the fact that if you want to do, I mean, if you want to love God, do what he says. And also that we should love others as we love ourselves. But how do we go about the business of doing that? Anybody who's been married in this, in, in this uh, congregation is probably familiar with these passages from 1 Corinthians 13, yes, 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is jealous, not jealous, or boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And I'm going to jump down to verse 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. Another way we can look at to another way we can look at to Love, uh, no, love our neighbor as we love ourselves is to fulfill the needs of others. In Matthew 25, verse 34 through 40, it says, 
Then the king will say to those on his right, come to you, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Another thing that we must keep in mind when we are loving our neighbor is that the love of God is unconditional. So too must our love be unconditional. Romans 5 verses 7 through 8 says, Now most people will not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be, perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Now here's the good part. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We show love through our actions. 1 John 3, 16 through 19 states, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, being that person. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. So in closing, <laughs> when we love others, we are following the will of God. And therefore showing how important God is to us. And also that God dwells within us. As God withheld nothing from us, even up to his only son. So, too, are we called to love others equally radically. That's my piece. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, give them a big hand tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Great job, King James. Hallelujah. I'm surprised he didn't use the New Living and he didn't use the King James Version. That's <laughs> Wonderful job, James. Proud of you, sir. I told you, you, he's a quiet guy. You never know he's here. I mean, but open his mouth and praise God. The truth came out. Praise the Lord. Now, th those are our uh, two students who just finished the class here a few months ago. So give them a... Really big hand. Come on, give Prashera, James, another big hand tonight. Wonderful, 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 masterful job. Amen. And their, their own personalities came out. That's why I love it. They don't try to be like anybody else. 
I mean, I knew Bashara was going to be a phenomenal woman. Because that's, it's inner. It's inner. Praise the Lord. And I knew he was going to be the quiet, like my wife called him, the quiet storm. Just boom, 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 boom. You got it? I don't think you can make love any more clear than he made it. That's like period point blank. Ain't that right, Oscar? Period point blank. That's how love looks. Amen? All right, so we're going to bring a veteran tonight to close us out. Give a big hand uh, for Sister Elise, Minister Elise Delota. She comes to close us out tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm excited, y'all. I'm a little nervous. I'm shaking. I'm like, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm nervous. Y'all for a little shaking. Come on. Amen. Well, I'm excited. I thank God for Pastor John and Pastor Kim. I love my parents in the faith. I love you so much. And, man, listen, I'm nervous for real, y'all. Like, first of all, y'all pray for me, okay? I'm nervous. I'm nervous. But I'm, I'm most nervous because of what the Lord gave me to say. At first, I went to Dad on Sunday. I was like, hey, you know, I want to talk about this character. Da, da, da. And I went home and I was like, that's, that's not what I want you to talk about. And I said, oh, okay, well, that would be a great blog. He said, yeah, that would be a great blog, but don't teach that. I said, okay, okay, praise God. He said, I want, to talk, talk to, I want you to talk to the people and encourage the people about their spiritual covering. So I'm a little nervous, y'all. I was like, oh, Jesus. Okay, praise God. So they did not tell me to preach this word, and so don't, don't think that. Praise the Lord. But I, I have been here yesterday. I made, made me uh, 10 years I've been born again. Praise the Lord. So hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, I, keep, I keep good track of that. Praise God. Amen. I have to remind myself. Praise God. And then I know that on my birthday, October 5th, on my 21st birthday, I got full of the Holy Ghost. So that, you know, I remember that because I was 21. Before I had planned on having a drink, but I drunk of the spirit, praise the Lord. So, <laughs> amen. So, amen. So, I'm just testifying because I'm getting my nerves out before we talk about this. I promise it'll be quick. 20 minutes is all I have. So, I might talk fast, but it'll be clearer. A little extra. Okay. Thank you, James. God bless you. Okay. <laughs> all right, for real. Okay. I get goofy when I'm nervous, but all right. So, I was looking in, in, yeah. <laughs> amen. I love him. I love him. I love him. Okay. So we're going to look at, let's look at Jeremiah 23. And I was, um, you know, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, and, and I like, you know, God gave me the awesome, awesome job of leading a flight team. So that's wonderful. I lead Flight 180. Praise the Lord. And um, it's very exciting. So when I went in, when I went and uh, Pastor was talking to me, uh, y'all praying for me? Amen. Okay. Fast forward. Fast forward. Let me pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for your anointing, God. It destroys yokes. It lifts burdens. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that your spirit reigns over everything. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the Holy Ghost, I possess my soul. In Jesus' name, that your word will come forth with signs wandering. That God, your, first, your word, will, you said, God, that the interest of your word brings light. So tonight, God, encourage your people, Father, through me. Father, I yield myself as your vessel. I yield myself as your minister, God, to have your way, God. We are expecting a word of encouragement, Father. We're expecting a word of change in our lives tonight in the name of Jesus. So, God, I thank you, Lord God, that every work of darkness is being bound from this place and that God your anointing dwells heavily upon me and in this room in Jesus name and I thank you God hallelujah all right now I feel better praise God okay here we go all right Jeremiah 23 so as I go and I'm, I'm leading my flight group I love my flight group right me and Christopher lead this group and 
I watch other churches, and every time I meet somebody, I'm, first of all, I want to know every saved, right? So now I got a new one. You know, I was like, Lord, okay, I'm winning people to Christ, okay. And so I meet a person who's not saved, and I say, hey, do you want to be justified? They say, yeah. I say, well, do you want to be established and encouraged? They say, yeah, I want to be that too. I say, okay, you want to be saved? You want to be free from all this stuff? Yeah. You want to be undefeated? Yeah, I say, you want to be satisfied? They say, yeah, I say, you need Jesus. You want to be justified, established, saved, undefeated, and, 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 and satisfied. So you need Jesus. Praise the Lord. So I was sitting here. I said, okay. <laughs> I say, you need Jesus. But what God was, uh, like, not getting on me, but he was taking me a little further. He said, people need covering. People need a teacher. People need a spiritual covering. Because I remember I was praying in the Holy Ghost, and we were here on a Tuesday. And the Lord reminded me, he said, that you can go as far as they preach. I said, Jesus, that's pretty far. Like, that's really far. And because I, I have been, I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm submitted here. I'm listening. I haven't always listened. Praise God. But I'm listening. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so I said, Lord, I'm looking at the state of people, and I'm looking at people's Facebooks, and you see all this stuff. And I'm like, Lord, they need Jesus. He said, some of them are saved. And I said, well, okay. I said, well, Lord, they need the anointing. He said, mm-mm. I said, well, okay. I said, they need deliverance. He said, no, 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 no. I said, okay, so go to Jeremiah 23, verse 4. It says, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. The Lord said they need pastors. They need covering. Look at, can you pull up that word dismayed for me? Because this is what you see when you're looking at the earth and you're looking at people all around you, looking at all this stuff, you see the word dismayed. They can pull it up for me. Okay, here we go. And it says, we're going to skip down. It says, to break down either by violence or by confusion and fear, abolish or fright, be afraid, amazed, beat down, discouraged, dismay, go down, scare, all that stuff. So they saying, I'm watching. If you look at these words and then think about your cousins who aren't saved or think about your friends that aren't in church, is that a picture of what they are? Come on, y'all. Is that a picture of what they are? Now, if we're in church and this is a picture of what we are somewhere, we're not submitted to the spiritual covering. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm covered. I'm covered. covered. Hallelujah. So there's somewhere that we're not submitted. If we want to go to Matthew 9, and we're going to start at verse 35, because then some people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need to be sitting in there listening to what no man or no woman is going to tell me. These are the conversations that I have with people. I don't need to hear that stuff. Well, do you need to go somewhere? That's my, come on now, do you need to be somewhere? Do you have a word? Do you need to go somewhere? And so we begin to read. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Keep going. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So you're telling me I'm saved, I don't need to go to church. So, but what, but why does that, that saddens Jesus? When people are born again and they don't go to church, it makes him, it, it saddens him to see sheep all about. Now, these are God's people. They're, God, they're saved. They don't confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've done all that, but they're out wandering. They're out just going anywhere. They believe in anything. They're, they're letting all kind of thoughts come into their mind. And then at the end of it, then they're not believing God. And come on, you know somebody. After that, they don't believe in God no more. Now they're believing all kinds of doctrine. Now they've been persuaded by doctrines of devil. There being all this stuff when you have to remember that there's a man and woman of God that's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And then they tell us the mysteries of the kingdom and we live this thing out, right? Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. Praise the Lord. 
All right, I'm teaching, praise God. Here we go to Matthew 6, 34. I have to remind my soul, praise the Lord. Matthew 6, 34. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. I'm Mark 6, 34. Say, that don't sound right. Mark 6, 34. Hallelujah. We ought to thank God. It says, in Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So that's what all of our flight leaders, when we're going out, well, I don't want to come to church. Okay, well, you come to my flight group. Because I'm going, okay, you don't ready to come to church? I don't want to, okay, well, you come to my flight group. Because now Jesus, he didn't say he became their pastor. He just said he seen them, he had a heart for them. He began to teach them many things. So as we're seeing people who don't believe in God, they're seeing people beyond. Now they believe in God, but now they don't want to come to church. We have to take the next step and remind ourselves, okay, I need to invite you to church. I need to intercede for you. I need to show you what the word is doing in my life. And then I had a personal testimony, and I was telling my friends, I said, man, it's something about when we say, God told me to do this, and that's great. God told me to do that, and that's wonderful. But how does God tell us to do things? You ever ask yourself that? Okay, well, well I didn't hear God say that. But did the man of God say that? Did the woman of God say that? Come on now. I wasn't here in that time in 2008. Don't buy a house. And then the market tanked. Come on, I wasn't here at that time. But I was here when my brother was in the hospital, right? And I went to my brother, and I said, man, you need to get saved. He said, I'm not getting saved. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not changing my life. I said, okay, praise the Lord. So I walked away. I was a little sad. I said, oh, Lord, Lord Jesus, now my brother can't go to hell. Now that's just unacceptable. That's not going to happen. And so Angie Wayne encouraged me. She said, well, at least the Lord wouldn't let you lead this many people to Christ and your own brother not be born again. I said, okay, I take that word. But then I went back, and I'm talking to him. He's still saying the same thing. I was like, okay, God. So it was this great, wonderful, wonderful Sunday. This is why you ought to come to church. This great, wonderful Sunday when the man of God stood up, and he's teaching about the great harvest. So I'm listening. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're teaching about the great harvest. Praise the Lord. And he said this thing. He said, y'all believe in God to take you to the nations, but you haven't stopped in your own family. The greatest harvest is in your own family. I said, okay, Lord, I got the hearing of faith. What are you talking about? I said, okay, praise the Lord. So he said, when you leave, your family will be saved. So guess what we did? Me, Jasmine, and Catrice, guess what we did? We moved on that word that same day, went to my brother's hospital room, and we started talking to him. And guess what my brother did that same day? He got saved that day because the man of God declared a word and I was covered by that word. So when I went into the hospital room, I knew that something was different because I'm being covered by a word. I know that I know. I said, okay, now I've tried this before, but the man of God said, try it again. And it's going to work because I'm being covered by a word. Come on, somebody. You got to understand the importance. There are some renegade Christians that's trying to deceive people out of following leadership. They're trying to deceive people that know you don't need leadership. He a man just like you. The devil is a lie. He is not a man like me me come on somebody he has an anointing and a call and an assignment to lead me the bible says if you can go with me to isaiah come on now hallelujah that thing made me mad i was mad let me tell you why i was mad i went to go audition for this movie and this is when this word came to my heart i say now nah, now nah, jesus you gotta help me because i know i did right i went to audition for this movie and they was oh my god your audition was great and so they asked me this question they said well we shoot on saturdays and sundays I said, every Saturday, Sunday? They said, yeah. Now, y'all know I'm, I'm on the prayer team, praise the Lord. I work with the kids. That's my favorite part, y'all, praise the Lord. So I'm like, every Sunday? And they're like, yeah, every Sunday. I said, okay, praise God. I said, Lord, well. I said, well, they said, are you going to have a problem with that? I said, well, I have to go discuss some things with my leadership, and I'll be able to let you know. And they said, okay. 
And so I left, and I got a call. I didn't get a call back. And I was like, hmm, all right, Lord, well, maybe I didn't say the part right. I didn't do something right. I didn't wear the right thing, whatever, because there's so many ways that movies work, so many things. So then the producer called me. I guess he thought I was going to change my mind. So the producer called me. He said, well, I just want to explain to you that we really liked you. Like, you will be great for the part. You have the look. You're, you were natural, all this stuff. I said, okay. I said, well, why didn't I get the part? He said, because you didn't answer the question right. I said, I'm thinking, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm like, I'm like, what question did they ask me? Like, these is Christian people. Like, I'm born again. Y'all know that. Y'all scroll through my stuff. Y'all know who I am. Y'all invited me. Like, what is this? And it was like, well, when you asked, uh, when we asked you about Saturday and Sunday, you said you had to check in with your leadership. You didn't say check in with the Holy Ghost. I said, excuse me. I said, that's your reason? He said, yeah. I said, okay. So I hung the phone. And I'm a little, I'm upset. I'm like, Lord, nah, my heart can't get sick because I got too many desires that's trying to come. Like, it's not going to work. And so I went to think, and the Holy Ghost, he will help you. The Holy Ghost, he got, he got a sense of humor. And so I began to think, and I talked to this same producer, and I wasn't rude about it at all. Now, I was very much Elise, but I wasn't rude. <laughs> so I said, well, sir, I said, okay. I said, well, why do you shoot movies on Saturdays and Sundays? I said, because you have a job. He said, yeah. I said, your, your supervisor, you have to ask him for permission if you want it Monday through Friday off. I said, what's the difference with my covering if I say I need to ask for permission if I need to be excused for this many Sundays? See, we are living in a generation of people who regard their paycheck, they regard their school, they regard their people more than they regard their leadership. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible tells us that we are given, it's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. The last time I checked, before I got born again, I couldn't sit down and figure out mysteries of the kingdom. I couldn't sit down and realize that I'm the head and not the tail. I couldn't sit down that when I came here, I didn't have a high school diploma, but it said kingdom standard is you need to get your high school diploma. I didn't pass the FCAT before I got saved, but when this man said that this is a kingdom time, it's the kingdom year. It was 2010. I remember it. I said, oh, the year of the kingdom, well, I'm going to go get my high school diploma, and I got it. Come on here. I said, okay, all right, all right. When my, when my brother, he didn't want to accept salvation, but when the man of God said the harvest is in your family, and I went and preached the gospel, Catrice helped. He, led, he got led to Christ that day. So you're not going to tell me now when I'm writing books and I got things happening and I'm writing movie scripts and I'm writing and now I'm saying, I'm telling you when the man of God said that this is the year that now is the time, I'm pushing out books like I never have before a day in my life because I submitted to the word of God and to the man and woman of God. When, when, I, when I write something, I'm like, now you're talking about somebody who was in Reed 180. I was in Reed 180. I could barely read. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm in Read 180, then I graduate with honors with social work. That's nothing but reading. I said, well, Lord Jesus. I said, okay. Praise the Lord. And it's like, well, did the Lord come out of heaven and tell you, Elise, you can do it? I say, no, God didn't come out of heaven and say, Elise, you can do it. It was a man and woman of God that said, Elise, you can do it. Come on, somebody. Come on. The devil wants to, don't be deceived in these last hours. God has a call and assignment. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, does that mean if I come to church every Sunday and I sit down, I'm planted? That, that don't mean that. I, those who are planted, those who are planted, he is earth. We put our seed in his ground. We put our life, our words in his ground. When you partner with him, you're, you're getting more into your account. So those who are planted under their leadership, they shall flourish in the courts of their God. Come on, somebody. I'm like, okay, God. So then I'm, I'm, starting, I'm like, Lord, okay, this is working for me. So I'm not going to let someone tell me you can't have the part because of this. When I know, first of all, you ain't even hit box office. You, 
you straight to DVD. And you're going to do what? When I got a mandate on my life that I will be producing, I'm the head and not the tail. You think I'm going to give that up? See, people, the devil's trying to deceive you. Let's not get to get it. Abraham. The king of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? He tried to say, you take the stuff and give me the people. Abraham, Abraham said no. The very next time, Jesus blessed him exceedingly. So there's going to be a time when I'm at the top. I'm producing number one. All, come on now. Y'all got to get excited. I'm encouraging you about whatever it is that you're doing. You should be in this season expecting to be the top. Now, I know that the Bible says have faith in God. I am very aware of the scripture. But when you're learning about God, turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. I want to encourage y'all, don't be deceived out of your covering. Don't be snatched out of church. Don't be snatched out of what it means to align yourself with the man and woman of God. Don't get so familiar with your leadership that you forget the importance of them speaking their voice in your life. The oracles of God. Don't get deceived. I'm watching people get deceived out of their leadership. And now it may work for a minute, but there is a coming time. When the kingdom standard is being established in the earth and everything that's unlike the kingdom will be removed. The Bible said that it will be shaken, but only the kingdom will remain. So you say, well, my cousin don't go to church and they're prospering. This thing might shake. It's about to shake. You understand what I'm saying? It says, Romans 10, verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall we hear? Well, you know, I, the Lord told me, well, baby, what church you going to? Because that's my first question. I'm saying, well, what church you going to? Well, no, I don't really, no, no, no. No, it's not going to work. Now, I see my friends, they out there doing their thing. I see, now, if I see my friends, I say, okay, well, you, you know, you still at? Because one particular friend, I'm believing God for her. I'm like, she's going to church, you know. And she leading ministries and doing all kinds of stuff. You still go to church? Well, where you go to church at now? Well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm leading worship at a couple of different places. No, the devil is lying. I say, no, but you got to be bold in that. And say, now, girl, you know that's not how this works. That's not how you got started. That's not going to be how you finish. Do you need any examples of how you get started in church and you end out in the world? Yes, you can sing and do all this kind of stuff. But if you're not submitted under recovering, there's nothing flowing down. Go to Psalm 133. Come on now. It's a continual flow. It's a continual. We got to live in the flow. We got to live. I say the word of the Lord, I live in my father's flow. Now, there's a time when I try to swim upstream. I'm hanging out on the banks. You know, I'm trying to see if the water's really right, is it really cold, and I wasn't getting anywhere. But there's something that we have in this house. They're, the Bible says that I have given them as gifts to you. They call them the angels of the house. Come on, somebody. Where it, He's telling you, she's telling you where you're supposed to be by this time next year. And when you go out to get there, there's no devil that can stop you because the word of God has come to you and you're being covered every day with this word. When you say, when he says, okay, by the, you should see an extra $50,000, we should have seen an extra $50,000. Come on here. Come on. Hallelujah. Go to Isaiah 62. Verse 10, Isaiah 62, because we can't be deceived. 
Now I'm watching people and they have ministries and I'm, I'm blessed God for their ministries. I bless God for who get, who get in the gospel and all this kind of stuff. It's one in particular, that's, I call her my girl. I ain't never met a girl before in my life, but she's ministered to all kinds. She's set free and delivered and setting a lot of people free from homosexuality. I said, well, praise the Lord. I know the story. Praise God. And I said, well, Lord, you know, she, I tried to preach in tennis shoes. That didn't go over so well. I said, no, I can't do that. I said, okay, praise God. So I'm watching and I'm watching her ministry. And it's just fine to watch her ministry. She's sound. She's preaching the word. I said, okay, Lord. She's preaching ripped jeans and sneakers. I said, well, Jesus, well, what's up? Like, what are we doing? And he was like, and then I was like, oh, her pastor, her covering preaches that way. Now, where they're reaching, now, I have, I judge nobody's sermon. I don't judge no man's sermon. do that kind of stuff. But where they're called to reach, she is reaching. Where they said that she would be, that's where she's be. But if I'm called with, to reach CEOs, they're not going to respond to skinny jeans and ripped jeans and T-shirts. If I'm called to be the head and not the tail, it's not, they're not going to respond to that. So I have to work. God will put you in the, right he- in the right house for your assignment and for your purpose. He's going to correct you to the right man of God for what you're called to do. So while I can't do that, I'm called to do this, and I will flow in this. Now I'm leading business owners to Christ, and they're getting baptized. Come on, somebody. You have to know where you are and to what you are called. Because at the end of your life, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you're not going to be, you're going to be judged on what you've heard. Well, I, you were, I, well, you were at exceeding grace. I really like that church. And, and at that church, you know, I, I visit there all the time. And, and that's my, you know, that's my son. He taught me the word. And he said, get out of debt. And he said, you should be rich. So if we get there and we don't have that, then what happens? Come on now. If the word of God is supposed to produce all that, and now I divinely arranged for you to get to that house. You had nowhere. You didn't know it was a church in a cut. I, I planted you there. I put you in that house. I said, okay, this is where you will go to church. Now, every devil tried to drag you out, and people tried to do this, and people tried. I don't really talk that many people, so that ain't really happened to me. That ain't my testimony. But for people who that happened to, praise the Lord, then I try everything. But what, what, what happened? Well, Lord, I was waiting for you to say, well, on Sunday I said it, on Wednesday I said it, on Sunday I said it, on Wednesday I said it, in the flight group I said it. I said it on Roku, I said it on SoundCloud, I said it on YouTube. There is not going to be no, we are without excuse for this coming time, all right? I want to show you this picture that the Lord showed me, right? Go to Mark 6, and then I'll be almost done. And we're going to say a confession over our man and woman of God that I say myself. Hallelujah. I have two of them. Oh, okay. Mark 6, 7. Mark 6, verse 7. And we're going to go down to roughly verse 12. I hope this is encouraging y'all. Because the next time you go home and and you have books and you have things that you want to do, now is the time. So you're guaranteed to prosper. Okay, y'all don't, y'all. You're guaranteed to prosper. Because God said so that this is the year of great harvest. This is the year of the birthing, the manifestation. And then I click on YouTube, and our apostle is preaching on the birthing of Isaac. I say, well, good, great googly moogly. This is the time. So I'm like, okay. Now, well, Elise, why you, why you believe? So then Barbara called me. She said, Elise. I said, I said, Barbara, you know I'm so thankful when we go to church. She said, girl, me too. I was just thinking that this morning. She said, Elise. Now, Barbara, check on me every night and then make sure you know. Amen. Praise God. And so she said, she said, Elise, if the Lord told you that whatever you do in business and in ministry, it's going to prosper. 
how fast would you get it ready? I said, well, Barbara, now she didn't know this. I said, well, Barbara, considering the amount of time it takes me to put this together, I'll be ready by next week. She said, okay, I'm going to call you by next week because the Lord said that this is the season that all of this is going to work. I said, well, Barbara, I'm a little bit ahead of you. I'm already doing it. She said, well, praise the Lord. Because she remi- she, I have a sister that reminded me, no, did, are you, what, you, what are you waiting for? The Lord said that this is the time when this will prosper. My sister grabbed the word. This is the time where we're supposed to get married during this time. My sister grabbed the word. She got married. Praise God. This is the time where we're supposed to be getting out of debt. Okay, people getting out of debt all over the place, including myself, getting, working this thing out, okay? This is the time where Kairos. Where does the Kairos come from? The man of God speaks the word by the Holy Ghost, and you have a Kairos moment. It's not really that deep. Hallelujah, okay? So we're going to look at March 6th. And then I'll be done, because I've had fun. Praise God. I'm no longer nervous. Because I'm going to encourage you. He said, encourage the people about their covering. All right, we're going to start at verse 7. And we're going to look at this thing, because now we remember, I'm going to explain it after we're done. So Mark, Mark, uh, Mark 6, verse 7, it says, And he called the twelve to himself, and began to send them out two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except, st- except staff, no bag, no bread, no copper, and their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics and all that kind of stuff. So we understand right here, Jesus sent them out two by two to go and do this. And we later on found out in Acts that they're still doing it. They're still going to meetings. They're going out two by two. It was Peter and John, right, that raised the man from the gate at Beautiful, and they didn't have anything on them. So they're still doing what Jesus had told them to do. So I want to see this, if you can just use your sanctified imagination, praise the Lord, and see this with me as Pastor Jesus tells them to go do this. Just like Pastor John and Pastor Kim tell us that this is your season. This is your time. But then you always have like a a person who might have gotten off a little bit. Now between between verse 6 and verse 13, they're going out and doing what God called them to do, right? Right? Okay. Then they come back. It says, and then we're going to skip past that and going to go to verse 30. It says, then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. After they had go, so imagine Pastor Jesus, they coming back to Pastor Jesus, like, man, Jesus, this is what happened. You told us to go do this. You told me, Pastor John, man, you told that this is the year of my great manifestation. But how many of you remember John the Baptist when Jesus showed up on the scene, he didn't immediately put down his stuff and started following Jesus? He did not do that. So while they're going out under a word from their man of God, and they're casting out devils, they're hearing the sick. Look at the in-between verses. What's happening to John the Baptist? He's being beheaded. So how many of you know that there's times where God has spoken a word over this house and over all of us, that we're going to be going out and doing these things, but our cousins are going to be going through this, our cousins are going to be going through that. These things are going to be happening because there are some people who won't submit and go ahead and do what the man of God says to do. You see, it's right here, the Lord showed me that very clear as day, that right here, John the Baptist, in the midst of them, in the time of their life, great victories. John the Baptist, the one who announced Jesus is coming. The one who was there when the church first, I mean, just the one who announced this coming. When Jesus first hit the scene was being beheaded while everybody else was prospering. That can't be us, y'all. That cannot be us. That why, because I'm going I'm to listen. And I'm going to send out these movie scripts. I wrote a movie script in 13 days. I said, praise the Lord. 120 pages. I said, praise God, we're going to do this. I'm going to send out these books. I'm going to send them out and I'm going to be prospering. But I need to look over and say, hey, let me, 
Girl, I'm right with you. I'm going, this is what's happened to me. I don't want to go to anybody that's under this covering and they, well, you know, I still, um, well, uh, I'm waiting on God to tell me. What? Well, God told you. Like, I thought that's what we come here for is to hear the voice of God through the man and woman of God. That's what we come here for. So I just want to encourage you. Now we're going to say this confession over our man and woman of God. That's all my teaching, y'all. I hope that y'all enjoyed that. Praise God. I had all this stuff on my paper. Oh, one more scripture I want to read. Zechariah 10, verse 2. And then we'll be gone. Zechariah 10, verse 2. Y'all all right? We going to get our submission on, right? We going to do our Psalm 133. Flows down the beard of Aaron. All right, it says, for idols... Speak delusions, the diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Does that not look like what's going on in the world system? Come on now. Therefore, the people wend their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. So when people, when your cousin, next time they ask you, why do you think I'm going through all this? Because you don't have a shepherd. No, no, it's not because you don't have a job. No, 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 you don't have a shepherd. See, everyone's saying that, oh, no, I just need this. No, 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 no. It's not that you don't have the the common sense. No, you don't have a shepherd. We believe the Bible, right? So next time somebody, my brother come to me, man, I don't got no money because you don't have a shepherd. Because another another version of that, if you look at a couple different versions I was looking at, it said they were under oppression because they didn't have a shepherd. Well, we have that in this house, y'all. So the days of lack are over. The days of oppression are over. The days of being dismayed are over. The days of fear are over. Because we have that. So if they're somewhere showing up, and I know me personally, I was like, okay, Lord, there's still some things going on. Okay, that area wasn't properly submitted. They told me to accumulate everything, not just when I wanted to. I said, oh, okay, yeah, that, that'll, yeah, that would have took care of that. I didn't do that. Right? So you catch yourself and keep going, right? So I want to encourage you to stay on your covering, but this is the confession that I say for my spiritual covering. Because we, we got to pray for our spiritual covering, right? We got to pray for them. I have a partnership confession, y'all. I'm, I'm with it. Praise God. All right, y'all ready? I have pastors after God's own heart, and I am thankful. Pastor John and Pastor Kim are blessed above, and they prosper. Their teaching is powerful, and they always flow in the gifts of the Spirit. They are the first partakers of the fruit. And I am excited about that. I rejoice with them and pray for them daily. Their path is continuously prosperous and blessings track them down wherever they go. They teach, lead, and train as the Holy Spirit leads. And their ministry bears much fruit. They are sound in their three-part being. And they always enjoy the best of the land. They increase more and more. Them and their natural and spiritual children. Hallelujah. Come on, stand on your feet. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 So I'm encouraging you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So I'm encouraging you from one sheep to another. 
from sheep to sheep. Submit to your covering. In these last days, do not be sniffed out. Do not. We look at the scriptures like, you know what I mean? You have scriptures like John 13, verse 2 with Jesus, with Judas. And the Bible says that the enemy came and planted in him. He had now put it in his heart to, de- to betray Jesus. Right? You look at scriptures like 1 Chronicles 21, verse 1. It wasn't as harmful, but David, the enemy came and gave David a thought to count the people. So these little thoughts are being planted by the enemy to come and make you walk away from the call. If you look at Acts 5, verse 3, the enemy came and put a thought into Ananias to lie to the Holy Ghost. So these thoughts are flying around, and without covering, these thoughts are going to hit your house. But you have to remain under the word and under covering so these things won't get into your mind and deceive you from what's already yours. It's already yours. They are our gifts. They're helping us. They're serving us by telling us what thus saith the Lord. So stay submitted and prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give God another great hand for that tonight. Glory to God. That's the truth. It's the truth anyhow. And I, I can guarantee you, I didn't put her up to that. I, she told me something else she was preaching Sunday I, the other day. I'm like, I, okay. But praise the Lord. Lord, know what we need. And it's right. It's true. Second Chronicles 20 verse 20 says, if we believe in the Lord our God, we will be established. But we believe in his prophets, we'll prosper. And so it's God's plan for us to prosper. And so uh, that's why God gives us uh, leadership. So uh, please give Elise another hand tonight. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs>